So good morning. In the film Grand Canyon, a rich lawyer with a flash car breaks down in the roughest part of town. While he is waiting for the pickup truck, the local youths decide that this is their lucky day and they begin to circle their prey. But then Mac, a pickup driver, arrives and begins hooking up the car, seemingly oblivious to the drama that is being played out. The tough guys protest he is spoiling their fun, so Mac takes their leader to one side. Man, he says, maybe you don't know it, but this ain't the way it is supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you if I can. And that dude is meant to be able to wait with his car without you threatening him. Everything is supposed to be different than what it is here. This is not the way it is supposed to be. We are meant to be able to eat together, to laugh together, to cry together, to hug each other, to worship together without fear of infecting each other. This is not the way it is supposed to be, and it hurts. And actually, it makes me angry. I'm angry that good folk are dying. I'm angry that folk can't gather together to mourn properly. I'm angry that folks are losing their jobs. That businesses will disappear, good businesses. I'm angry for all of us who can't hug our kids or visit our parents. I'm angry for a generation of young people like my children who will ultimately pay the economic price for all of this. Over the past few weeks here at Bessels, we've been looking at the way the Psalms enable and encourage us to be honest with God, to be honest with God about how we're feeling. The Psalms tell us that it is okay to lament, to be sad, to grieve, and even to be angry. They tell us that these emotions these emotions are a human response to, to the fact that the world isn't the way that it is supposed to be. They give us a way to verbalise our emotions. And so today we're looking at anger and anger can so easily become destructive. When the Apostle Paul was writing about anger, he didn't say, don't get angry. What he did say was, be angry, but do not sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I find the first part of that instruction far easier than the second. There's an interesting story in Genesis 4, right in the early days of the Bible. It tells the story of Adam's two oldest sons, Cain and Abel. And in the story, God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. And Cain is angry. Cain is furious. And God meets him and, and God challenges him. And God says to him, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. It's a powerful image, isn't it? Sin 
waiting to devour Cain. And sadly it does. Cain can't control his anger and he ends up murdering his brother. Right at the start of the biblical story we have anger and we have violence and I guess it's been pretty much the same way ever since. Anger can take over. It can shape us and form us in ways that that prevent our flourishing. It can literally devour us and destroy us. And I guess we've all met people who've become bitter and resentful at, at life at what's happened to them. Or people who are literally likely to fly off the handle the second something goes wrong or they don't get their own way. We'll know of people who end up expressing their anger with their fists or their tongues or with a sullen silence, are turned back or they turn their anger on themselves and end up hating themselves. And right up top, let me say that if you find yourself, particularly at this time, struggling with rage or with anger, get some help. Try those exercises that Sarah gave us earlier in the service. Talk to someone. Contact Charlie or myself. Ring a friend. There are lots of support agencies around that can help you as well. If you're local to to Seven Oaks, West Kent Mind, Release, The Pressure are both doing a great job and there is somebody there who will listen and talk it through with you. Think of that image of anger waiting to devour you. And get some help. We're all struggling with stuff at the moment. We're all struggling with our emotions. We're in, we're in strange times. So be wise, be careful and do not take anger lightly. It has to be said that the writer of Psalm 69 is an angry man. Life is tough. He has been oppressed victimized, abused, mistreated. And in his rage, he turns to God, laying his heart open before God. Answer me. Turn to me. Do not hide your face, for I am in trouble. Lord, come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. And then... We get a glimpse into his emotional state. He feels scorned, disgraced and shamed. Helpless, heartbroken, all alone. I looked for comforters, but I found none. No one on my side, no one to support me. Me against the world. And from this place of pain, Basically, he lets rip. He gives voice to his anger against those who've oppressed him. And I'm using Eugene Peterson here. Let their supper be bait in a trap that snaps shut. May their best friends be trappers who'll skin them alive. Make them become blind as bats. Give them the shakes from morning to night. It's a bit graphic, isn't it? May their best friends be trappers who will skin them alive. Yeah, it's graphic, but he's only warming up. 
Blast them, O God, with your red-hot anger. Burn down their houses. Leave them desolate with nobody at home. Strike their names from the list of the living. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Far Side cartoons, but, but Gary Larson, who draws those cartoons, put it like this. If you can't read it, it says, God and his computer. And he's got his finger over the button, which says, Smite. Alternately, I guess we might quote the Daleks. Exterminate! That's the force of the words here. That's what the psalmist is calling on God to do. And then suddenly, it's as if he's got everything off his chest. And the mood changes. But as for me, O God, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. It's almost as if the boil has been lanced. The anger has been expressed and has been assuaged. And the psalmist can return to praise. But do notice this. Notice that he gets to praise, not by leaving his anger at the door, but by going through that anger. By owning it, by giving it to God. Here's another far side cartoon. If you can't see it, uh, we're in the depths of hell and there are three, three cells. The first one's reserved for homicidal maniacs and then terrorists and then people who drive too slow in the fast lane. Strange the things that get us most riled, isn't it? My kids will attest to the last one. People who drive too slowly when you're in a hurry. Back to Psalm 69. And those words. Blast them with your red hot anger. Burn down their houses. Strike their names from the list of the living. One author uh, compares praying like this with a bit like the carpenter who hammers his thumb with the nail and who shouts out in pain ah! and you can fill in the blank to express his pain to express his frustration that's not meant to happen the carpenter is not meant to demolish his thumb and the psalmist world is out of kilter it's not the way it should be and he feels that deeply, that sense of discombobulation, and out of that sense of pain, out of that sense of frustration, he cries out to God, do something! You felt like that this week, the last month? Oh God, do something, please. This is the prayer of one who wants God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. the prayer of one who wants those who trade in human misery, those who use and abuse others, those who diminish others, those who kick back against God's kingdom to be silenced and to be neutralized so they can do no further harm. It's the prayer of someone who's just fed up with the fact that things are not the way they are supposed to be. 
But notice that this is someone who gives his anger to God. The psalmist does not say, I'm going to blast them. I'm going to burn down their houses. I'm going to terminate them. In fact, by praying this prayer, in a sense, the psalmist gives up that right for revenge, that right for vengeance. He places that desire to lash out and to get even. He places it in God's hands, trusting that God will do what is right. Of course, you're all too polite to pray like this. But I'm not. And when the world feels disordered and not as it should be, when I see how the poor and the vulnerable are so often treated, when press and politicians lie and distort and manipulate, where individuals and groups get scapegoated, when people are discriminated against because of the colour of their skin or their age or whatever. Or when I just feel grumpy and bad-tempered. And like, when, when many of us, like many of us at the moment, I just, I just feel cross. And I'm grateful that God gives me space to pray that anger. He even gives me words, words like this, to, to express that sense of rage, to give that anger to God and to ask him to draw its power to hurt me, to take that power away. Miroslav Volk is a Croatian theologian. He grew up uh, when, uh, in Yugoslavia when it, was, when it was a communist country. And he, he writes this, he says, by placing unattended rage before God, we place both our unjust enemy and our own vengeful self face to face with a God who loves and does justice. Our anger is not safe simply bottled up in my own heart. It's not safe in some public space of venting our collective feelings. It is safe in the space where it is placed before the one God of both those whose children have been dashed against the rocks and of those who did the dashing of those children against the rocks. You see, I can pray this prayer, I can pray this psalm, because God is not like that. At my worst moments, I might be like that, but God isn't. God does not have a smite button. God sends the sun and the rain on both the just and the unjust. And at Easter, we learn that instead of smiting his enemies, instead of blasting them, instead of burning down their houses, instead of dealing in death and destruction, God himself was smited. He was blasted. He was killed. And that's ultimately how God answers the prayer in this psalm. He absorbed all the anger, all of our anger, all of our pain all of our violence, all of our suffering, by taking it on himself, by absorbing it, by suffering its consequences, all the time praying, Father, forgive them. 
Brothers and sisters, sometimes we preachers make everything sound so easy. But when we do that, we do you a disservice. There is nothing about our current situation that is easy. There are blessings, sure. There is much to be thankful for. And use that, thank- use that thankfulness jar. There are wonderful opportunities as well. But you are allowed to say this stinks. Why? Because it does. And God does not provide neat, simple, instant solutions. We are in this for the long haul. And there are times when sadness and grief will grab you. And there are times when you will sense this anger, this fury rising up inside of you. And when that happens, remember this psalm. And trust that God is able to receive your anger. Even your anger at him. Trust that God welcomes your sometimes incoherent prayers, your painful prayers, your doubtful prayers, your tearful prayers, and even, yes, your angry prayers. And when you are prayed out, God takes you by the hand and says, come on, let's go and make a difference in the world. Let's pray. To the God whose holy anger heals. To the Messiah whose righteous anger overcomes evil. To the spirit who keeps our anger from turning violent and destructive. Receive our wounded hearts. Take our burning words. Protect us from the desire for revenge. Gather up our confusion, our fear, and our anger at our current situation. And Lord, may our faithful anger become fuel for justice in our fractured world and the mending of broken relationships in our neighbourhoods and our home. For God's sake and for ours. Amen.